How can we help you, officer? Dick Jones is wanted for murder. This is absurd. That thing is a violent mechanical psychopath. My program will not allow me to act against an officer of this company. Dick, you're fired! Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to Trimming the Movie Fat, the podcast where we trim films from franchises that don't belong. I'm Paul Nicholson, and we're going up against Kane, ED-209, and the recasting of its lead actor. It's, of course, the Robocop trilogy. Which movies will survive the omni-consumer products testing process? The original, the Irvin Kushner-directed sequel, the Peter Weller-less final entry, Keep listening to find out. We'll also share some Robocop movie facts, provide an overview of each movie and share our thoughts on each. Joining us for this quasi-futuristic police car ride for the ride to Metro North Precinct are friends of the podcast, Davey Mellon and Alan Trainer. How are you guys? Not bad, not bad. Yeah, good. Just enjoying the cold for a change after <laughs> three days of a heat wave. <laughs> yeah. Very warm, isn't it? I know. And yeah, it's it's a bit cool. Good weather. Today. Well, it's been good <laughs> weather to sit in a cinema with uh, darkness and air conditioning. Yes. I've spent the last few That's days right, in the yeah. cinema just getting the air on the go. Was I um, went to see yeah. Bond on Monday. Was I see on Tuesday? Went oh, to see that Elvis him. film on Tuesday and I was watching that Ennio Morricone yeah, documentary like? yesterday. <laughs> I love the Elvis movie. Mm. Uh, so I've seen the Elvis movie. I've seen four because it's another Marvel film you have to. But I also seen the lesser known Brian and Charles, <laughs> which uh, almost really? I almost died laughing the first ten minutes of that film. Uh, it's so funny, but it's a very very particular style of humour. A lot of people won't get it, but it's based on the fifteen minute YouTube short. So if you watch the 15-minute YouTube short, then imagine that stretched out to 90 minutes and you know what you're in for. So that's my recommendation. Okay. okay. We'll do that. And, David, which was it? Have you taken? Have you taken? Yeah, that's one I. Nope. Yeah, I think it's a really underrated. I really enjoyed it, to be fair. I, I really like it. Like, I've only seen it for the first time ever, maybe about towards the end of last year. Now, um, is it... Is it the Living yeah. Daylights next week? Yes. They're showing. Right. I might go because the Living Daylights was actually the first movie I ever seen at the cinema without my parents. <laughs> yep. So I haven't been to any of the I haven't been to the cinema yet to see any of the bonds as they're coming out each yeah. week, but I'm tempted to go to Living Daylights just for the nostalgia and the significance of the I remember nothing else about the film except I think you got stickers or collectors cards free with <laughs> a popular cereal brand um, but I just remember going with my, my sister and a group of friends and it was I was just so excited to be at the cinema without my parents yeah, yeah. first one I ever seen actually in the cinema yeah. oh, we, we saw it at the Odeon 
I think it was Brian, me and Stephen, I think, went to St. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the first times I'd went without parents as well, so it was... The only thing I really remember them is uh, sledging in a <laughs> cello case. That's about it. Yeah, I remember that on the collector's <laughs> card. Nothing to declare except the, ch- except the cello. And of course, <laughs> yeah. one of the best themes. Do you guys have a favourite scene from the Robocop trilogy? Um, I think uh, the one that always sticks in my mind, and it's purely just for the, the shock value of it as well, is the, the Ed 209 scene, uh, when he's introduced into the boardroom mm-hmm. and then Obviously, goes haywire and shoots shoots the innocent bystander yeah. up, Mister Kimmy. Mister, uh, it's a uh, very, very, very. Yeah. That's what a very young age and the uh, Ed Two Nine always freaked me out. <laughs> and great, yeah. well, great satire of corporate culture because <laughs> this guy's been machine gunned at a corporate meeting, mm-hmm. and the old man, the, the CEO, simply says, "I'm very disappointed <laughs> in you." <laughs> <laughs> whilst this body's <laughs> bleeding out behind them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say for you, well, Alan? What would you say? I would say, so for me, Robocop's moments? 1 and 2, to quote another movie line, uh, been with me for longer than I can remember. I was obsessed with Robocop as a, a kid, having been given the first one in VHS at 10 years old. So the scene that always sticks out for me because it's the one that I wore out on the VCR was the Robocop versus Kane fight scene at the end of Robocop 2 because I'd never seen a fight scene that went on for so long with that amount of stop motion animation. Um, It was my go-to. It was the scene I was showing to impress friends who were around because at that time... Stop motion was used sparingly, but to have a you know fifteen minute long fight scene, um, and obviously the thing everyone, or certainly everyone I know when I, I speak to about Robocop, the brain in the jar. So just that whole fight scene, yeah. with a wonderful um, stop motion animation that culminates in the brain being <laughs> pulled out and smashed on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, it's funny because I'm probably worth saying as well that I remember seeing it on video, the first one on video, a bit like yourself, uh, Alan, and I was probably about 10 as it well. Was a passage of rights and, getting uh, a video when you're 10 years so, old. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> it's kind of like, that's it. That, welcome to the Robocop land. So uh, I'd, I'd only just seen two and three actually rented them for Tuesday and Wednesday because I hadn't seen two and three so I might get them mixed up because I've seen them like one day after each other but for me yeah probably probably the bit in the first one where he gets his arm blown off because I always that's the only bit I remembered as a kid (laughs) and the first one uh, before he becomes Robocop yeah and of course that that scene was heavily edited in the original release because when I watched Robocop, when, when it, it came yeah. out on Blu-ray, I bought it and I, 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 I know the exact shots that were edited back in because at the time, Paul Verhoeven, who was yeah. directing it, deliberately went over the top with the violence because it was almost meant to be a critique. It was a, a piss mm. take of the fact that Hollywood movies at that time were extremely gory. So he went over the top to make it humorous and the censors made him cut back, which made yeah. it worse. So 
the scene we were speaking about where the guy gets gunned down in the, the boardroom was a lot shorter at first and more horrifying. But well, it's yeah. funny when the scenes are reinserted because Ed 209 keeps shooting him and the guy's clearly dead and they're still going. And that was exactly the same with the Alex Murphy mm -hmm. being shot to bits scene. It was a lot more gruesome mm -hmm. um, in the, the version we'll see now, but it's overplayed deliberately. The previous one, it was heavily edited. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for... Thanks for that, that info on the... Nobody said the Flying Robocop, no. And... <laughs> the what? The Flying Robocop. <laughs> from Robocop 3. Still to come. That's still to come. Yeah, I think, I think my battery is going to is gonna uh, drain the minute we start talking about Robocop 3, because I, I, I just, I can't. <laughs> my favourite scene is Dick Jones getting fired. Well, well and truly fired. Well, have you got any interest in... Yeah, have you got any interest in movie facts? Uh, I've got, got an interesting one. Is that, that Robocop is incorrectly, often incorrectly classed as sci-fi, when actually in genre terms it's a western. And when you when you watch the film with that mm. knowledge, you can actually see it, it's a futuristic western, but all of the western tropes are there. Um, you've got even down to some of the shots. So if you think of the scene when Robocop um, turns up in the alleyway where the woman is being assaulted, you see the leg come in and the gun in the holster. Yeah, that's that's classic yeah. Western. Yeah. The idea of uh, this lone guy coming in and cleaning up the town, that was, a, that was a theme behind Robocop. And the main thing is the Basil Polidaris theme. When you listen to it and Robocop's riding his car, you can imagine that music being played to a, a cowboy on, on a horse. The soundtrack, the score mm. is inspired by Western. Western so yeah. actually, when, it, when mm. people ask me what my yeah. favourite Western is, I can be pretentious and, and tell them <laughs> it's Robocop because the genre aesthetics of it and the story and the, the shooting style of it is Western. Yes, so the snow in The Wizard of Oz is actually made of asbestos. <laughs> I think your fat wins. <laughs> yeah. So asbestos-based snowflakes, they were. Buzz Lightyear almost had a different name uh, from Toy Story. Early designs for Toy Stories, Buzz Lightyear revealed the action figure was originally going to be called Lunar Larry. <laughs> and its design was slightly different too. Buzz's name was changed in a tribute to real-life astronaut Buzz Aldrin. And another, it's quite a famous line, you know, you sometimes get lines in films that weren't actually said, but people think they were. So this is kind of a wee bit like that, but Jaws wasn't always going to need a bigger boat. It's almost one of the most iconic lines in the history of cinema. And it wasn't always meant to be, you're going to need a bigger boat. It's what, obviously, Chief Brody, Roy Schneider says after the menacing White Shark is spawn, spotted. A screenwriter, Carol Godleb, told the Hollywood reporters, you're going to need a bigger boat, had become a, really, it become a joke on the film set, meant to signal small mishaps. It became a catchphrase for anything something went wrong. And if lunch was late or the swells were rocking the camera, someone would say, you're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, so, Roy Schneider, uh, I've lived the line at various times in the movie, and this is the one that made it into the final. Very cut. good. 
So yeah, I'll, I'll give you one more fun one that's non-Robocop related really then. Uh, uh, but still Paul Verhoeven related. <clears throat> um, the movie Minority Report, which was a Philip K. Dick adaptation, was oh, actually gosh, originally pitched as a sequel to Total Recall. Hmm. The premise being that okay. it, that um, Doug Quaid didn't suffer a schizoid embolism and that he was employed as a detective in the pre-crime agency. So the part that Tom Cruise plays was originally pitched to be Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doug Quaid, but the idea was shelved probably because it's an absolutely terrible idea. But because they were both Philip K. Dick and Total Recall was such a successful movie, someone tried to put those two ideas together and fortunately the sandwich was never eaten. Robocop exists because a guy named Ed hated his job, so Ed Neumeyer, I don't know if I pronounced his name correctly there, but he was so restless as a Universal Picture Story editor that began to toy with an idea of his own about a robot police officer. Film student Michael Miner had a similar notion that he called Supercop. The two brought their ideas together on a script, Robocop, the future of law enforcement. Despite its satirical bent, the title was so ludicrous that they had trouble garnering interest until Orion Pictures, who just had a hit with Terminator in Decided Did, to run with it, it. I think it's the case that Verhoeven was handed the okay. script and he hated it, and it was his wife that convinced him to direct it. That's right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But in the film, yeah. uh, yeah. I can't remember the exact car brand, but I think one of the scriptwriters, or perhaps Verhoeven himself, um, was not impressed with some make of car. So the adverts we see for the 6000 SUX. Is a joke on that 6000 sucks because I think the car <laughs> series he hated was a series 6000. Um, I can't recall exactly which car make it was, but when you watch the film, you'll realize that's a piss take. My Robocop fact is that there was a children's animated series of Robocop which was released in 1988, and my movie fact is that Nancy Allen, who played police officer Anne Lewis in the Robocop trilogy, was married to film director Brian De Palma from 1979 to 1984. Robocop is an American science fiction movie series set in a crime-ridden Detroit in the near future. It centres on police officer Alex Murphy, played by Peter Weller, who is murdered by a gang of criminals and subsequently revived by the megacorporation Omni Consumer Products as the cyborg law enforcer Robocop. The three films are 1987's Robocop, directed by Paul Verhoeven, known for Basic Instinct and Total Recall. Robocop 2 came in 1990, and that was directed by Erwin Kirshner, known for The Empire Strikes Back and James Bond movie Never Say Never Again. And then in 1993, there was Robocop 3, directed by Fred Decker, who is known for, well, pretty much nothing. Uh, the franchise has made over 100 million US dollars worldwide and spawned multiple television series, video games and comic book tie-ins. The original movie won the special achievement for best sound editing at the 60th Academy Awards. 
What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. You are under arrest. Take it over, creep. Come quietly or there will be trouble. They were called the fire department. Called for backup. How may I help you, officer? By resisting arrest. Dick Jones has told us we need to start talking about the movies now, otherwise he'll invite us to a special board meeting on the top floor of a very tall building. You got it, Dick. Here we go. All Detroit has a cancer. The cancer is crime. We need a self-sufficient law enforcement robot. How long will it take? We can go to prototype within 90 days. Where are you from? Metro South. Welcome to hell. All units, all units, sector nine. Better alive, you're coming with me. You're gonna be a bad mother. Guy's really good. Machine. Robocop. What is he? He's a cyborg, you idiot. All hero. What are your prime directives? Protect the innocent. Let the woman go, or there will be trouble. Uphold the law. You are under arrest. What is this shit? Justice gets an upgrade. Looking for me? Move, creep. Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. How was I to convey the robotics of a machine and the humanity of a, a man at the same time? The danger of this character was that someone say, well, you're not going to see his face, so you can put anybody in there. And I think that that's not true. You needed a real actor and, and uh, who really took it seriously, and, and Peter really did. Peter you know, took it seriously from a physical standpoint. He studied mime, and he did this, and he developed this whole thing. And, and in, in retrospect, you, you can't imagine the movie without Peter. It was anyhow difficult to, 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 to find the actor because we needed somebody, as, as has been pointed out several times. I mean, it, somebody was a really good jawline, isn't it? <laughs> because this is, what, this is what you see only this, isn't it? RoboCop is a wonderfully funny, inventive, and agreeably violent piece of science fiction, and I can't remember the last time I put all those adjectives together, because as a rule, I think most science fiction movies are sort of stupid with their futures that always look like the present, only worse. Well, RoboCop is set in futuristic Detroit, and it doesn't look very good, but the story is a howl and action-filled at the same time. It's Peter Weller as RoboCop, the star of Buckaroo Banzai. He's dead on, the whole movie is dead on, both as a thriller and as an unexpected comedy. A lot of people deserve credit for this film. Foremost, I guess, is the highly 
regarded Dutch director Paul Verhoeven, who has previously made some highbrow films like Spetters, Soldier of Orange, and The Fourth Man. Maybe his serious-mindedness helped anchor what could have been a very silly movie into some area of convincing emotion. And Peter Weller and Nancy Allen, plus the whole crew of business executives we saw in that first scene and the bad guys in this film are just fine. Robocop is quite violent, to be sure, but it is so well made that I think it ranks with the quality of the Mad Max movies, which were also violent and well made. In fact, I like this better than the Mad Max movies. So, 1987's Robocop. In a violent, near-apocalyptic Detroit, evil corporation Omni-Consumer Products wins a contract from the city government to privatize the police force. To test their crime-eradicating cyborgs, the company leads street cop Alex Murphy, played by Peter Weller, into an armed confrontation with crime lord Bodeker, played by Kurtwood Smith, so they can use his body to support their untested Robocop prototype. But when Robocop learns of the company's nefarious plans, he turns on his masters. So by the end of its theatrical run, the film had grossed about 53.4 million US dollars in North America alone on a budget of 13 million. The movie was very popular on home release with strong VHS rentals and sales worth an estimated 24 million. Uh, critics wise, on Rotten Tomatoes it has a 91% fresh score. Uh, on IMDb critics it has a 70 out of 100 uh, meta score. The audience Rotten Tomatoes score is uh, very popular with 84% and the audience score on IMDb is 7.6 out of 10. And in summary, while over the top and gory, Robocop is also a surprisingly smart sci-fi flick that uses ultraviolence to disguise its satire of American culture. My mum used to be a babysitter and one of the kids she babysitted was like lived a couple of down, doors down from me and I'd reckon well they had two two children one of them went to school but this was the other one wasn't at school age yet and his dad just handed over to my mum a VHS which must have been recorded because it surely would have said 18 on the front of it if it had been the, <laughs> the real one and it says right here you go there's a video and then I think we stuck it on so I must have been about like you say 10 certainly from a primary school and it gets to the scene where like Murphy's getting his hand blown off it's, my mum hadn't ventured into the room until this point I went what is this I'm like I don't know but it's brilliant and this, <laughs> <laughs> and this, there's this wee lad he's not got a clue what's going on but it probably got stopped at that point and uh, I think it took me about two years to eventually finish it off by like going to my, my mates who also had an illicit copy um, he lived right, like right next to us, my school. So we just after school one day we popped popped over at his house, and I think he had like a a newly born sister, maybe like six months old, and this, she's watching it while we were watching it. Says, "Don't worry about that. She doesn't know what's going on." <laughs> so the two of us is ten, eleven years old. Traumatized that was, poor child. <laughs> I don't know if that child might turn into Dexter in later years when you see all this violence or not but uh, it was certainly uh, it was almost like a rite of passage, passage you see to get that so young oh I loved that oh, I'd say you never 
never seen anything as violent as that at that time, but just who doesn't? What boy doesn't love a, a robot? <laughs> I mean, like, just seeing these things and then even getting the, the games after it for, like, the ZX Spectrum. I remember playing, mm. like, that was one of the greatest games at the time. And uh, just playing that with the basic graphics, you would, people today wouldn't understand it. Like, you played that? Like, oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's outstanding. I, when RPG used to stand, stand for, uh, was it rolling platform games as opposed to role-playing games? <laughs> well, I first knew about Robocop because the arcade machine came out. It was in the, the local shopping centre and I used to stand fascinated watching the demo on a loop. And then one of my friends managed to get a copy of the game on the ZX Spectrum. So I used to play it. And then one, so I remember playing it and then my friend's brother came round really excited saying that he'd seen the film. He'd been at a birthday party and someone had got a copy of the VHS and he, yeah and and he said that uh he said that the main policeman got his hand blown off and there was kids just crying and throwing up and I <laughs> thought I have to see this film. So my mum at that time, you know, she didn't really care about the certificate. She thought, you know, I watched, you know, I'd seen Beverly Hills Cop, Police Academy 1 and 2 back when they were 18 certificate. So we rented it when they were out one night. Uh, I watched it and, uh, again, I, I was very much uh, just, this is so amazing. <laughs> it's overly violent. It's got robots in it and it's got acid in it. I mean, what more do you want as a 10-year-old kid than that? <laughs> So I was just obsessed uh, with the film. I just watched it repeatedly. But what that film done is I think at that age, that desensitised me to hyper-violence. <laughs> and that opened up my world because suddenly it was like a gateway drug <laughs> to other movies. Suddenly I was, you know, because then, yeah, because then it was Total Recall. Um, and when you think of that era of the, the, the big Hollywoods um, over-the-top action, so I remember Total Recall and Predator and even uh, Aliens, all of the back of that seeing that film, because suddenly I wasn't scared anymore, because I thought, what could be scarier than a man uh, <laughs> driving into a vat of acid and then getting driven through? <laughs> if you can survive seeing that, then you can survive seeing anything. At least I thought that until I seen the movie, um, the Human Centipede. <laughs> That's another story. So yeah, just uh, as a ten-year-old, just thought it was amazing. Well, I first seen this when I was at high school, and I watched it with some friends on video. So it was quite daring since we were too young to see it, and I primarily remember it for Murphy getting his hand shot off and Paul McCrane's character melting of acid. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a classic movie. Yes, it's violent, but it's also very funny and a great satire on violence and corporate greed. And that satire is sadly missing from its sequels. It's brilliantly directed by Paul Verhoeven. It's full of great scenes, performances and memorable dialogue. And watching it now, uh, I mean, it does it does betray its 80s roots, but it's as enjoyable now as when I first seen it. Um, for me, it is a prime cut. And let me give you a couple of facts related to it. Uh, apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was initially considered for the title role, uh, but I think um, they found that uh, his his body frame wasn't going to suit the the suit, 
And Peter Weller, who obviously did play Robocop, he was fired from the production after they fell out with director uh, Paul Verhoeven and he had to be coaxed back as he was the only one that could fit into the, the Robocop suit. So, so guys, Robocop, the original film, is it a prime cut or is oh, it fired? Prime cut, absolutely. Has to stay. Yeah, absolute prime cut. And mm-hmm. I don't think I said before, but... Uh, Kurtwood Smith yeah. is probably one of the best baddies going. Mm. Um, like, he is. So quotable. Yes, he's uh, excellent, isn't he? I, love, I, I absolutely love him. I don't know. Can meat get better with age? I think Robocop Brilliant. gets better with age. <laughs> That's why I'm thinking of. Um, I think it's... It, 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 but it gets better because it's, it's layered. As a kid, you just think it's a fun, shooty action film with robots, but it's actually a big business social satire. Mm. It's a resurrection story with all the biblical imagery. Uh, it's a satire in Hollywood, and it's a story mm-hmm. about humanity. Every time you watch it, you find something new. And I just seen today they were talking, I was watching the thing on Netflix, and they were talking about how uh, a buy that for a dollar guy is based on Benny Hill because he's constantly looking at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> is it all right? old joke. <laughs> Can can it makes can it make sense oh. actually, doesn't it? Yeah. Did you see one of the deleted scenes from the film? <laughs> that was one? how the, the film was. The film was <laughs> yeah, about to finish. But, uh, I'd buy that for a dollar. Lewis, mm-hmm. the final scene originally was Lewis in hospital yes. watching. Yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar, but they cut <laughs> it and just had the, the final line there. They shoot some. What's your name? Because Murphy. when I, Which, I can see why they made that cut. The one thing that I thought was really yeah, funny that I noticed when I watched it in four K. The Robocop versus Ed 209 fight, um, they actually, so the stop motion, uh, yeah, it's, at the time it was good. It, it does look almost comical. But it's when um, Ed 209 fires the missile at Robocop, and when you watch <laughs> it in 4K, you can actually see the string. So the missile's <laughs> been pulled along by a, or it's attached to a string, which you would never have seen in previous versions. <laughs> And you can even spot the fact that the suit isn't metal, you know, you can see the, 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 the cracks and breaks in the suit and the fact that it, it's, yeah, that is absolutely wrecked. You, there's so much that you spot. But then that's the beauty of uh, practical effects. That's right, yeah. CGI is limited to what someone's programmed onto the screen and, and that's <laughs> it, you cannot mm-hmm. upscale it. gave this city Robocop. Ready for duty, partner? Nothing I'd rather do. I think he's worked out pretty well. Have a seat. This is a bust. But things have become a little rougher out there. This unit needs millions of dollars in parts. You see, Robocop's off warranty. He's one of mine. Now want him back on his feet. Oh. I believe that Murphy's case was unusual, but not unique. We can find someone else. Someone to whom the prospect might even be desirable. And now, we need a law enforcement unit capable of meeting the enemy on his own ground. She's screaming psychotic, sir. Oh, we aren't planning to build a toy. I'm carrying in a firepower to get the job done. I got good news for you. You're gonna have a chance for immortality. 
With great pleasure, I give you Robocop 2. Ah, uh, yes. Things will be a lot quieter with this boy around. That thing is a great experience, maybe the best of experience of my career making RoboCop, the original film. I received a phone call uh, from John Davison, who was our producer, and uh, he informed me that they were in fact working on a sequel and uh, wanted me to have a look at the script that was in progress and meet the director, who at that time was Tim Hunter. And so I said, yeah, I'm all in on this one. I'm ready to do it. And I love the character, and it would be fun to really explore uh, the relationship and you know, the next adventures of uh, Robocop and Anne Lewis. So that's what got me hooked initially. In the initial script that I read, um, it just seemed like what was next, and just a natural evolution of these characters and their relationship. And, um, crossing over with a wife and there was um, I think there was more depth to Anne's character and in the relationship she had a kind of a, a little bit of a meteor role and I liked that uh, she was very you could understand the significance of their relationship as partners which meant something to me my father being a cop so I thought, oh they get it just they really get it our first movie is RoboCop 2, and all during this movie I kept asking myself, how can a movie this violent and confused also be this funny? It's like there are two movies here. One is an hilarious satire on futuristic advertising, and the other one is an exercise in violence that really offended me with its portrayal of a young boy as a vicious killer. You, you sit there and you, you know, these words coming out of this kid. Now, I'm a big fan of Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, which showed uh, people probably more in their 20s, a, a roving gang, a street gang, and I can understand uh, why that can be done with intelligence and with a point. Here, it's just like they're looking for a new trick, like a different kind of monster. All right, we'll make the kid the killer, and and it wasn't even winked at anyway. It was played yeah, pretty right, straightforward, right. and it had. And you mentioned that uh, a film this funny. There were just a couple of bits, Roger. I think you have to be careful. There were a couple of cute. Uh, bits in the film that are funny. The well, features they add. More than a couple, Gene, but they just are dropped in. It's very right. strange because the movie is one thing, and then every once in a while, it's yeah. like you're watching television, right. and you get these commercials, like the commercial for the uh, seatbelt that ties right. the car thief. That opens the picture up. There are several moments like that that I did laugh at, and I thought, gee, this is funny. I'm laughing, and now I'm back to the dreary, depressing movie which is a mess as far as the screenplay is concerned, yeah. which is very offensive in the use of this 12-year-old. So, Robocop 2. Cyborg Detroit policeman Alex Murphy, played again by Peter Weller, is the sole officer on duty after the police force goes on strike against evil conglomerate Omni Consumer Products and it's pushed to foreclose on the city of Detroit. Aside from dealing with the normal level of crime, Murphy must take on crime boss Kane, played by Tom Noonan, the spread of a dangerous new drug called Nuke, and the attempt by psychologist Dr. Juliet Fax, played by Belinda Bauer, 
to create another Robocop using a hardened criminal. So Robocop 2 grossed $45.7 million at the US box office, making it the 25th highest grossing movie that year in um, the US. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 29% uh, critic score. It is 42 out of 100 critic meta score on IMDb. On Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is 36% and the IMDb audience rating is 5.8. In summary, a less satisfying rehash that generally lives down to the negative stereotype of sequels. Robocop 2 tries to deliver more of everything and ends up with less. Well, fortunately, when I had first seen and got into Robocop, uh, it was not long before Robocop 2 was released. So I actually read the novelization of Robocop 2 before right. the, before I seen the film, because, you know, it's a classic work of literature. Mm. Um, I played the... I'd, I'd read the novel, I'd played the <laughs> ZX Spectrum game, and I got the Leonard Rosenman score for my Christmas. But I would have been, by the time that came out on VHS, because it used to be the case that when a film was at the cinema, it would be often nine months to a year before it would be available on rental. So I would have been around 12 by the time I finally seen the movie having known everything possible to know about it have, without actually seeing it by then. And um, uh, uh, I loved it at the time, but that's because back then I just wanted robots and shooting and violence. I didn't see, because I didn't really understand how layered and complex the first one is, it's all surface value. So I actually, as a kid, thought the second one was better. But but I now realise I'm so wrong about <laughs> that. Um, and I still I still feel it's an it's a f underrated film. I think it's just it was never going. It's a difficult second album. Um, it was there were so many ideas thrown in there, and it just became incoherent and nonsense. Interestingly, do you know that um, Frank Miller? wrote the screenplay for it. Was that and this he, one or the three? Because I've seen three. No, and I went, watching the credits for three last night, I went, Frank Miller, Sin City? No. Well, uh, <laughs> Sin City and the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns. But uh, <laughs> Frank Miller not only wrote this, or he, I think he was pulled in to help redraft the screenplay by Irving Keshner. And uh, he, he makes a cameo in the film. As the lab technician, as a lab technician called Frank, who he's the one that gives um, Kane the new version of Nuke, and he actually uh, calls him Frank. So that's how you know who the Frank oh. Miller cameo is. He's the drug. Uh, he's he's a lab technician called Frank. He he the one that blows up as well. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had everything that I wanted as a kid, but I was just blindsided by the violence, the the cool car, and the CG. The, sorry, not the CGI. The stop motion fight at the end to actually realise it's a bit of a mess, and it completely forgets all the things that made the first one um, so special. I, I certainly didn't see it 
when it came out or on VHS, I think it must have been maybe maybe in my twenties when I first seen it. Or I don't know if it maybe got a D, had it on DVD or something like that. Or it was on Sky Movies. I think I watched it on, and then um, I, I say that I watched it again like a few months ago. But like, it must have been like. I had my third bottle of wine or something because <laughs> I was like thinking about it. I was like, I don't really remember much about what happens in that. And I was like, try to watch it again uh, last night and this afternoon. And I've got about an hour and 20 minutes into it with about an hour to go. And I'm like, ah, it's kind of coming back, but it's, I don't really remember what happens at the end. I remember there like, being that big fight at the end, but I don't know how they got there. To be, and to be fair, but Davy, I can only imagine uh, how confused <laughs> you would be if you had a few glasses of wine, fell asleep, then woke up with <laughs> the brain in the jar. The two eyes. <laughs> oh, I certainly remember that, but <laughs> but what watch it again? Like, although it's um, it, it doesn't certainly doesn't compare to the, the the first one. It's it's still still good value, but I do like the like the adverts in it as well. Uh, the, I was laughing like they had the the one for the sunblock. Yeah. Like she's like, if, if I step out here, I'll be burnt within twenty seconds. And like, but put this on, and she gets this like luminous sunblock, almost like uh, like the army used for like when they go to the jungle or something. It's like bright, bright purple or something. And it's like, ah, but put this on, just a pint all over your body, and you'll be fine. And then up comes the war end. Using this will cause can- skin cancer, <laughs> which defeats the purpose of it on. So they also have got funny wee jokes in there in their, their adverts. Um, they're brilliant. I'm looking forward to finishing it after this. <laughs> For the third yes. time, and I hope they'll stick this time. But no, it's, it's got like, the classic, like like the Robocop suit. It's still got Peter Weller in, who is the iconic Robocop, as opposed to, we'll discuss that shortly, about the next guy. But it's 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 got everything there. It's got the suit, like yeah. Rob Bottin suit again. It's like, ah, nah, nah. It's, as a film, it's it's still pretty silent. It's not as it's not as slick. It's missing the Verhoeven effect. It, it's too many ideas, and you can tell that it maybe would work better as a graphic novel. And Frank Miller did bring out an adaptation of it some twenty years after the release. But there's lots of ideas. Um, and they've tried to shove them all in and they don't really work coherently uh, because they've got the idea of the the city going bankrupt and the the drug empire kingpin being a 10-year-old kid offering to bail the city out. That's one idea. They completely <laughs> dropped Robocop's humanity, right? Within the first 20 minutes, they've just completely ditched the storyline with his wife Um and then you've got the whole subplot about Robocop being torn to pieces and getting all these new directives. And there's a theory that actually when Robocop gets his new directives, so instead of his four prime directives, he's got about 400. And as a kid, I would pause the VHS and you can see some of them are things like don't splash puddles because you might get people wet. <laughs> um, there's a theory that actually the, the people that were involved in the film were so fed up of studio interference, they wrote that into it. Because Robocop being given hundreds of prime directives that aren't cohesive was meant to be a critique of the actual (laughs) film itself. Hundreds of ideas that don't work cohesively and it just turns into an absolute mess. (laughs) I think that's right there. They're bang on the money. 
Yeah, well, I'd never actually seen this prior to, uh, to doing this episode, despite me being a big fan of the original. I just remember the reviews at the time that came out in 1990, and the reviews were really bad, and the trailer for it didn't help either. It just didn't look good. So, yeah, I never even bothered renting it or streaming it before now. Um, positives, it's got a cool poster, and on paper it should work. You've got Irving Kushner, who's knows how to make a great sequel, you know, Empire Strikes Back, and, well, a not-so-great sequel, Never Say Never Again. The original cast are back, <laughs> probably contractually obliged to, to be so. Uh, the kid in it, the 12-year-old kid, is very hissable. Kane's a really good bad guy. Um, I think the the bit where Robocop gets cut up seems really effective. Uh, Dan O'Hurley still is still great as the slimy head of OCP. And yeah, Frank Miller's doing the script, so that should have been a, a, a positive. Negative, though, it's boring. <laughs> it looks cheap. It's missing the satire on American violence that Verhoeven's original had. The bad guy crew are not as charismatic as the first movie. The in-movie ads, whilst funny, not as funny as the first one. Again, the satire's not as strong in them. Uh, I think Robocop himself looks kind of blue in this. The colour of the, the, the costume, it just looks really poor and plastic looking. And he moves a lot clunkier in the sequel for some reason. He no longer looks cool. Um, yeah, and I think the the mayor in this movie, it's like he's in a totally different movie from everyone else. Um, I think the special effects are poor, especially the stop motion um, is really bad in this. Like Robocop 1 fighting Robocop 2. Uh, you've not got Basil Polidaris for the score either. And you just think Nancy Allen's given nothing to do, and I believe... The script cut down a lot of what, what she was planned to do, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, but let me give you a couple of facts in relation to the movie. Uh, when they're selecting the person that they want to inhabit Robocop 2, R2, director Irvin Kushner appears as a candidate on the, the screen. Uh, presumably others are members of the crew too that appear on the screen. Um, and another fact, even though this is meant to be set in Detroit, almost all of the movie was filmed in Texas. And for me, this movie, well, it's fired. I'd be happy to keep that. 477 to dispatch, we have a code 3. He was state-of-the-art in law enforcement technology. But the system thinks he's become too independent. He disobeyed a direct order. I want to know why. His friend was in trouble and he made a judgment call. Too unpredictable. They're saying he's gone underground. Oh, there goes our PR budget. Too human. We have a warrant out for the arrest of Robocop. Now the system's out to get him. Because he's fighting for the people. If you want to get in there, you're going to have to shoot through us. I don't have a huge problem with that. Get them for me. I promise. All right, Mr. Robocop. Come and get me. 
I must commandeer your vehicle for police use. What is your problem, sucker? I mean, officer? I hope you are insured. I thought your damn ninja was supposed to take care of Robocop for me. You are under arrest for assaulting an officer. And destruction of police property. You may want to call the fire department. What, you going war, wacky? I think I'm in love. He's taking the future. What? And giving it back to the people. Robocop 3. How may I help you, officer? By resisting arrest. Had you seen Robocop 1 and Robocop 2? I hadn't prior to, you know, uh, Robocop 3 uh, presenting itself, no. Um, after I knew I was going to be doing Robocop 3, I, you know, uh, watched uh, both of the first two films. And uh, what did you glean from watching those Robocops? Um, from watching and from getting into the costume that this was going to be a, a real difficult job physically, um, mentally, you know, in terms of the acting. Um, it was going to be a chore to get through this and uh, to do, I think, as good a job as uh, Peter Weller did in, in the first two films. Uh, my work was uh, definitely cut out for me. Did you have any apprehension at all when the part was offered? Um, apprehension, in as much as any actor has apprehension, you know, uh, elementally you want to know, you know, what the script is like and, um, you know, how long you're shooting and, you know, am I going to be really able to manipulate this costume and, and do this job? But once I started the movement training uh, with a fellow named Moni Yakin from the Juilliard School, um, you know, there was a little bit of looking over my shoulder at the job Peter had done, but once I got underway, you know, that kind of kind of uh, went away and uh, we got wor busy working. Is RoboCop 3, which is two RoboCops too many as far as I'm concerned. The original RoboCop movie had an interesting idea about a cybernetic cop who walked like Godzilla and talked like an elevator, and it did about everything that could be done with that idea. By part three, the retread is beginning to wear real thin. RoboCop 3 is a real boring movie, mostly because it contains all of the same elements which the first two movies did better. The problem, I think, is that Robocop is a character extremely short on charisma. He makes a couple of good entrances, recites a couple of snappy one-liners in his robotic monotone, and then he's run out of tricks. Yeah, I'm, certainly. I am tired of Robocop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first one was a very good film. Uh, the only thing that you can do with this character is have him go to the other side. Yeah. Have him really flirt with becoming a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Or have some kind of, you know, obviously get real cornball and have there be a female Robocop. He's lonely. Something. Mm -hmm. They didn't even try that kind of stuff. Uh, it is really just you know, the marching kind of guy. You know, you've really triggered me with your concept of a female Robocop. I wish you could develop that a little more fully for me. I'll uh, try and do that for you. Come in. So, Robocop 3 was released in 1993, and the plot has greedy corporation Omni Consumer Products, uh, who are determined to begin development on its dream project, Delta City, which will replace the derelict Detroit. To achieve this end, OCP is employing armed forces to bully residents out of the city under the guise that they are just doing their part to reduce crime and root out thugs. After Robocop, this time played by Robert John Burke, joins the civilian resistance, he sustains severe injuries but recovers to battle advanced ninja robots developed by OCP. So the film was a critical and commercial failure in the US, grossing just 47 million 
US dollars worldwide against its 22 million budget, making it the least profitable film of the Robocop franchise. It only crossed 10.7 million in the US and was the 100th, sorry, it was the 100th and 14th highest grossing movie uh, there in 1993. So critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's only got 6%. On IMDb, uh, the critic metascore is 40 out of 100. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is down at 15%. And the IMDb audience rating is down at 4.1 out of 10. And in summary, this Abyssine sequel should be placed under arrest. Well, uh, I finally got round to watching it last night um, and I'd successfully spent 42 years of my life not seeing it. <laughs> but that's all gone now. Um, I watched it and it was like a who's who of sitcom actors just appearing right through. It's like half the cast of the Seinfeld. Uh, they've got that boy Kruger that drives the van. Rip um, Torn is the old man. Rip, Rip Torn is the old man. Did, um, I don't know if you watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, but Jeff Green, he was the he was the guy behind the till when he, they were getting uh, held up by another actor from Seinfeld, but it turned out all oh, the police eating that restaurant. And then you've got the boy from Office Space, uh, what's his name? Stephen Root, the stapler. He's, he's the in the twist that he's feeding information to the, to the, the I don't know what you want to call them, the, the war, the army. Um, but uh, it was just like a who's who's of comedy and actors. And it almost turned this into a comedy because it's just, it was nothing. And then the, I, like I say, the, the flight, the, the flight scene at the end, is just like, the worst CGI you will ever see in your life. Uh, it's just so clunky that the film is just the, the only redeeming qualities the film really has is the, again like some of the satirical adverts they've got on there, um, which I can't remember, but I do remember laughing at them last night. <laughs> but no, that even the like the voice. Obviously, they've got a different actor, and it's like a completely different voice. It's just it just doesn't say Robocop to me. They should have done what they did with the Wicker Man and bury it under a motorway and never released that section over. They just left it. <laughs> anyway, Al- Alan, do you want to do your? Uh, well, when I was uh, a kid, was, Robocop you, no, I was just a huge fan of Robocop one and two, and then. I remember Robocop 3 being delayed by several years and then the news came out that it was going to be a, a PG. Um, and because they were teeing it up because they decided that it was a franchise that was suitable for children because they launched the cartoon and the toy range. So immediately at 12, 13 years old, I decided, well, I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm boycotting it. And I don't think I seen it until... Probably the first time I tried to watch it, I was maybe in my late 20s and it was on TV. But I'll be honest, I have, I have not watched the film start to finish because I <laughs> think it's unwatchable. I've only seen bits of it. So collectively, I've probably seen every scene, 
but not in the one go and not within a six month period <laughs> of one scene to the next because it's just eye gougingly unwatchable. Yeah, apart from that, you enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it's a decent score, but they just took the score from the first yeah. film, so that was the best there bit when that. they actually play, like. I thought they were just going to use a whole different score, but when Can't they had the, yeah. the Robocop theme appeared, I eventually went, oh, well, that's about it. It's only I think that piece. just makes it, makes it worse, though, because you've <laughs> got a good score over a terrible, terrible film. Um, As he launches all his all car off the top of like a, a tenth or five-storey building to land and then start shooting at these thugs. <laughs> Thing is, all all I knew about the film for years was based on um, the Spectrum game because uh, yeah. I, I used to subscribe. I, I got a magazine called um, Sinclair User, and they were reviewing the video game. And I read Robot Ninjas. I thought, nah, <laughs> I'm not having this. So that was a reasonably good boycott. I mean, the fact the film bombed shows that the the boycott, which I contributed to, obviously worked. <laughs> but I just, it, it's just unwatchable for me. There's only two films in my life that have been part of a franchise where I've thought it can't be that bad and I still can't watch it. And it's Robocop 3 and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Those films are so bad. I just, no matter how hard I try, cannot finish them. We're going to make you watch. Robocop 3, Clockwork Orange style. We're coming round. <laughs> <laughs> you will watch it in a one hour. Robocop 3 is so bad yeah. that the Robocop reboot yeah. Was, yeah. was a brilliant sequel. <laughs> Must be bad. Yeah. I quite enjoyed that uh, remake, actually. It did have quite a lot of, quite a lot of I satire in it. it was, I've not seen it. Like I say, I only saw it in the cinema, but I've not seen it since, so I can't confirm mm. if I still think that. Yeah. I like that they at least done something interesting by flipping the narrative and that it was about someone yeah. losing their humanity and becoming more of a machine. Well, I only seen Robocop 3 uh, recently for the first time, and I was expecting it to be awful. It was obviously a critical and commercial failure on release. You've got a change of actor in the lead role with Robert Burke replacing Peter Weller. Um, you have, you know, it's been directed by someone with no real name recognition and Fred Decker. Um, it's a very cheap looking theatrical poster. And I remember at the time that the trailer for it just did not look good. Throw in the fact that it's rating as a UK 15 or PG 13 in the US. So the violence is obviously being toned down and that the film was delayed by nearly two years due to Orion filing for bankruptcy. It all adds up to a perfect cocktail of awfulness. So I found to my great surprise that I, I actually enjoyed it somewhat. It's no masterpiece and it's nowhere near the movie that the first one is. But it's watchable, and for me, it's a, a better watch than the the second movie. First of all, Robocop looks and moves better in this than number two. It's much more like the first movie, um, although the flying sequences, special effects have not aged well. Um, I actually really 
didn't miss Peter Weller all that much. Uh, the film's got a good cast. Um, a lot of them have went on to do other significant work. Uh, I think the death of Nancy Allen's character gives the film some heft and purpose. Uh, I did like the stereotypical English villain played by John Castle, and it's great when he gets his comeuppance. Uh, and Basil uh, Polidarius is back doing the score, so lots of his motives from the original movie are used again in this one. It sounds like a Robocop movie. Um, I did not like that they added the, the cheesy jumping sound effect anytime the ninja jumped whilst fighting Robocop. Um, and why is the ninja toying with Robocop? You know, just, just kill him before he can recover. You know, <laughs> plot logic alert. Uh, so a couple of facts related to uh, Robocop 3. Uh, because the film's release was delayed, the tie-in video game was released well before it, thus revealing the plot of the movie before anyone had actually seen it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it does play like a Robocop TV movie. Um, so for me, the film can't be regarded as essential viewing. So yes, for me, it's fired. So we've made it through all three movies. We've all decided to keep the original Robocop as a prime cut. Robocop 2, Alan and Davey are keeping as prime cuts. Paul and I are firing both. And all four of us agree that Robocop 3 should be fired. Great, we've managed to restore order to Detroit. Before we go though, a big thanks to our guests Alan and Davey, and a big thank you to you for listening. If you want to keep in touch with us, please join our Trimming the Movie Fat Facebook group. And if you're watching, uh, remember to subscribe on YouTube. Our next episode coming up on the 1st of uh, 1st of October in fact is the first of our Roger Moore James Bond movie episodes where we're going to be looking at his 70s James Bond movies and the one after that will focus in on his 80s ones so until then stay safe and keep trimming